Good evening, Monadnock Region, and welcome back to Go Mow Tonight, the Monadnock Region's only locally focused weekly comedy podcast. I am here as your captain in the Space Lounge, Christy Loretto, with my lovely co-host, Zoe Rotenheinsman. And this week, we have, yet again, our second full-length guest host, R.I.P. Sam, also hailing from the Great Garden State. We have the one and only inimitable Jared Radke. Welcome, Jared. Hey, thank you so much. Really glad to be here. Appreciate the warm welcome. Yeah, happy to have you. Jared, um, so, you know, most of you know this, um, but there's probably a few of you listeners out there who are not familiar with our work at Monadnock Underground, which is our creative writing side of our media enterprise. And when we got started back in 2019, somewhere along the way in those first months, Jared was one of our first writers um, and has, has stayed with us consistently this entire time. And I have to ask Jared, because I'm sure that I knew this story once upon a time, but how the hell Jared was living in like Philly or, you know, outside of Philly somewhere at the time. How did you hear? How did you find us? Sponsored Google ad. I uh, decided to pick up submitting writing again. And uh, you guys happen to be Right there, I was living in South Philly, and uh, the ad actually was—it was on the internet. It wasn't on a like a poll or anything. Uh, and I just submitted, and uh, surprisingly, you accepted what I wrote, and you decided to publish it. And I—I I figured that was, you know, that was probably it. The green light went off. I said, "Oh wow!" <laughs> you know, I, I sent it, and they said, "Yeah." And then I just—I kept that going. Just yeah, kept that going. And then you I, know, I've, I've sent stuff to other people you know, in the, over the years. And sometimes they said, yeah. And sometimes they said, you know, you're a pervert. And I'm just like, <laughs> so I'll speak to you guys instead. Or sometimes, you know, I'll, the submissions will be like, you know, this better not have been previously published. And then I'll send them something that you guys published. And I say, Oh, it wasn't. And yeah, then yeah, they yeah. publish it. Nice. And, then, uh, <laughs> and then we do that, you know, but, um, you know, I'd like to, you know, I, I really like uh, what you guys got going on. Uh, you know, I really think it's uh, it's an intriguing. I, I thought it was a fictional place, uh, to be honest, uh, based off of. Seems that I way gathered, so. sometimes. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you folks were like in a cult or you were like really <laughs> <You are>. religious. <laughs> but either way, uh, it doesn't really matter, does it? No. At the end of the day, because here we are. Well, I, fucking first- white owl. That Sorry. first piece you sent, uh, Rick Derringer and Grandma. <laughs> I remember Chris was like, "I don't know about this one. What do you think? Like, I can't tell." And I was like, "I love this. Well, yeah, because <laughs> so I, weird. I, I love it." So I read it right, and yeah, I remember this very clearly. So I read it, and I was like, "This could be really good, but it's really weird, and I don't know if it is." You know, and that's why I was, I was like, Zoe, you get it. I need a second set of eyes on this, man. Like, this is, um, this is not like anything else I've seen. And, you know, because Jared is, is a very unique writer in the, the, both in content and style. 
he, he it's constantly su- a surprising reading his pieces because you truly you like you often find yourself in the head of of a narrator and you get pulled right in but you truly don't know what's going to be said in the next paragraph like in like the you know like it, like what you're just going to get hit with like out of nowhere and it's brilliant and well constructed and it always leaves you like a little dazed like you know I, I really appreciate that uh, that commentary. That that's really nice of you. I mean, just hearing anybody speak about anything that you've done shows that they've read, and you know, that's fucking that's great. You know, it's like, oh my yeah. god, it's, it's really and nice, and I appreciate like, the encouragement. I will tell you though that Rick Derringer's story that was really based off of. Uh, I had just been really swimming through Wikipedia heavy lately and articles yeah. were leading into one and another. And my friends and I, you know, you ever play five clicks to Hitler on Wikipedia? I never have, but I've been a big, I like I spent years doing Wikipedia rabbit holes for every day. Right. Yeah. You know, I like to dump yeah. somebody on like Rutabaga every or like Bermuda yeah. and be like, find your way to Hitler. Five clicks. Go. You oh, know? that's a cool game. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Right. So I was just kind of in that zooming mode and I would just, I was in a really like pre-spiritual place where like I was not doing well and things were kind of like hitting some type of crescendo and like things just started getting weird and psychedelic and just kind of matching up. And like all these Wikipedia pages were, were ending up real circular and mm-hmm. real common themes. Yeah. And like, yes, I'm, 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 that's happened to me before too. Yeah, definitely. Like Wikipedia can be an Oracle sometimes. Yeah, for I, sure. I assumed I was losing my fucking brain, you know, yeah. and all signs were pointing to Rick Derringer. <laughs> and uh, the second I saw that he made the uh, the late 80s, mid 80s, you know, Hulk Hogan WrestleMania themed album and he composed, you know, the Hulk Hogan real American theme song. I yep. was just like, this is just too much. I'm going to write an art. I'm going to write a thing. But I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to write. Like, because I always have these ideas. I'm like, well, I'm going to have it like. The, it's going to be like a pastiche of like a mental floss article, like top 10 Rick Derringer things that are <laughs> Rick Derringer. But like they never work out that way. I'm not able to write anything except exactly what I write. And it's really frustrating. You do it very well, though. You know, you yeah, do it, you do it very great. well. And it's and it's distinct, too. You know, like you're not taking anybody else's shtick. Like, like this is a Radke piece is a Radke piece. And that's that's one thing that I've loved about the fact that you've submitted in like every time block we've had, even before we were doing seasons, so that it's like always periodically in the middle of a bunch of things. We'd be like, and now we have our Radke piece. I appreciate it. I would like to. Sometimes I have these lofty ideas and it gets burned into this like little fever push out of what I do. And like yeah. I have these elaborate ideas with actual dialogue and third person narration. And I, and I have these ideas in the morning when I'm driving and like yep. they, they're gone. Like I can't, they, mm-hmm. they get really condensed. Like, you know, it's just, it's tough. It's, it's very, you know difficult. what you should do. You know what you should do? Cause this is easier is just, record them as voice memos on your phone. Like, cause you're driving, you know what I mean? Just like hit the button and be like, you know, as if you're in Mad Men dictating to your secretary, you know what I mean? Like, just be like idea, you know, like, and just rattle it all off. Cause then well, you really have it's it. the dialogue itself that I really need to capture. Cause like yeah, the yeah, conversations yeah. I have in my, you know, in my, my day, my sales job and the nutty fucking characters I run into, I'm like, these are the conversations I need to, 
to transcribe. But for me, I've never learned how to traditionally write dialogue. And I don't know how to structure it. I don't know how to space it. I don't know how it's supposed to physically look on the page. I look at examples that I like on my bookshelf, but it just seems hard to, to, to phrase it. Like, am I supposed to skip lines every time the person, ch- I just oh, don't know how to structure it. Right. Yeah. Don't get hung up on that. Get the words out. I can help you with that. Yeah. You know? no, we can do that. The way things look physically on a page changes how I feel. Like I get sick. I know the feeling. Yeah. But we do, we, we, we do take submissions sometimes though, from people who have a hard time with that same exact thing. Um, and you know, if the quality of the overall piece is there, we never mind editing for that, you know, like it's, you know, well, um, I never really thought of, uh, you know, I, I think of editing as its kind of own thing. Like Zoe drastically chopped up that fucking Lithuanian story that I wrote and she improved it. 40% because it was kind of dead and it kind of had some ideas and just like, it's kind of like it's collage, it's graphic design and it's own type of thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I enjoy that. It's like, let somebody write something complete and then a different set of eyes do a little William Burroughs rearrangement. And it's totally something different. I can appreciate that. And it needed that. Sometimes it it needs the little, you need to neuter the cat. Absolutely. It's coming out like, probably today, whatever day we release this. Yeah. That one, I think I just said before. Oh, so today's the future. We usually announce to everyone and I haven't done it yet so far this episode, but um, today we are recording on <laughs> Thursday, 11, 17. Um, this episode is likely to come out. Hey, what's up, Rachel? Hey. Come to <laughs> so, so Rachel, everybody, Rachel is also a Monadnock underground writer. And she does not have any problem with dialogue whatsoever. <laughs> and, um, and she has, I think in the last like three seasons, maybe in each one has had a piece that is a part of a bigger thing that she's working on that we are begging her to do more of and send us more of because it's brilliant. And we want to publish it as a whole thing. And she, she's the winner of the, like what story we want. How would how do we phrase it? Like, I forget. Or I always forget the names of her own award. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear a novel of it, whatever. She's working on it. She, what do you got, like 60 pages? Uh, I think closer to probably like 40. But 40. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, we've, I mean, even just what we've published is like, we've at least 15 of those pages, right? I mean, um, I think but, something but, like that. Jared really yeah. wanted me that because when that, like when I first started writing that, that first sort of vignette, so to speak um, of the like married to a cult leader, as you guys published it, that was the first thing I wrote of uh-huh. that. Of, and then it kind of blossomed into its whole own thing. But Jared really wanted me to keep that as its own. He wanted me to keep it as an isolated. Yeah. Like a precursor story, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And like the real story is related, but separate. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I liked it as a standalone thing and I thought it kind of was self-encapsulating. It kind of had a beginning and enough of like a little twist ending. I thought it was, I thought it was better than the, than what I write. And I really didn't like that. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I really, uh, it's just one of those things where like, 
if she gets published or something, they say, this is great. And like, she stays with me and I can go off of that and we can move to Hawaii. But if she leaves me and they, and they accept her, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be filled with rage. I'm going to be left alone with you folks and my twisted little writing, (laughs) my dirty little Mickey Spillane shit. (laughs) And she's, uh, she's going to be on the bigger and better things. We sell yeah. it. All right, get out of here. Maybe, maybe, she leave, maybe she won't leave you, though. You know. I think I'm sticking her out. Yeah, I got a nice haircut. Uh, nice to see you, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so what? What I was saying. What were we saying? We we're saying what day this episode is going to come out? Oh yeah, this oh, episode. Yeah. That's right. Most likely, um, this episode will come out um, as a as the day before Thanksgiving because this is our special Thanksgiving episode. Mm. Um, and, and what I was saying about that was that the 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 Radke piece that will come out that day, I think for the I fall only twenty twenty two season added a hyphen. So you know, some, yeah, <laughs> didn't not, chop that not up. not a lot of chopping and burrowsing needed yeah. for this one. Yeah, um, but before before we move to like news topics or whatever, I just I also want to shout out that Jared is the only one of our writers that's ever received a complaint. Yeah, I, I think I was going to mention that as well. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, I mean, I get complaints on a daily basis, like it, in it every aspect a, of my life. So it wasn't a good complaint. That I, I I didn't think it was legitimate. Like, yeah, it was like because of something that was obscene in your. Of course, vulgarity is important. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I mean, and we we have never shied away from publishing. Like, you are not the most vulgar thing that we've. You know what I mean? Like, it's not not that we try to do that. You know, but it's it we we aren't afraid of that, right? But her tone, correct me if I'm wrong, was more like, "Are you guys okay to be parents of children and also publish things like this?" Like, wasn't right. that like, too hypothetical? Because how do I? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm a parent of like, a child. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, yeah, I'm like, I don't use Radke stories as like the bedtime story. You know what I mean? Like that would be inappropriate. You know, like I know, I, I know what to, not to expose my children to. Okay. My daughter is 16 years old and I'm trying to think about how to expose her to a different level of literature. And I'm like, well, what's appropriate? What's not? And I find myself like, you know like a fucking nerd. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to give her that because that book, you know, there's a lot of fucking, you know, there's a lot of fucking in that book. I don't want my yeah, daughter right, to read right. that. Like I get all pearl clutch about that. And it's weird because it's like, it's very hypocritical. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's, it is. That's what, that's what it is. Yeah. That's, that's legit. I yes. Never, I never thought that I would censor reading material from my kids. And then now that they can read, I'm like, Oh, going to move some things up to a higher shelf, you know, like I, yeah, I don't, don't there's things I don't want her to read, to read yeah. This yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking on the shelf back there. I'm always thinking about like, what do I want to send her home with? And I'm like, well, you should, you know, step up to this, you know, like no more, no more fantastic beast bullshit. Like let's, you know, give you something. Yeah, it's like, a good age though. You know, I mean, when I was 11, uh, Stephen King was doing his second act is like he released a Richard Bachman book and there were some really horrible books from like the mid nineties. And I ended up reading like every single thing he ever read from like at that point. Okay. And like yeah. he was, uh, 
you know, he got really pervert. He got really like he strayed away from horror in a lot of his books and just has all this really weird, isolated, like sexual abuse stuff in every single one of his books. And I always remember being like, and I just can't help but think about like my daughter in that same position, reading that same yeah. stuff. It's so awkward. Everything is fucking yeah. awkward. Being a parent yeah, ruins awkward. everything yeah. for you. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And like, yeah, I guess, cause I'm trying to think like, all right, let's, let's imagine if I was able to resist some of the hypocrisy, right. And like not, and, and, you know, be less of a censor, right. I still, I still think I would be less comfortable with like what you just described with like Stephen King sexual abuse stuff, you know, than I would other things that have sex in it, even if it's not a, a necessarily a great portrait of sex, you know, because I mean, like, I just remember myself, right. And like reading certain things that like, you know, had, had sexual content in it. And even at like, you know, 14, 15, 16, not too young though. No, like, you know, it was yeah. a, you know, appropriate age for me to start reading things like that. And, you know, it's not a straight line where you like read that and you're like, I'm going to do it or I'm going to think about that. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that I read that like, I wasn't sure if I liked or that, you know what I mean? And like it, it, it's a, it's a good age to start asking those questions of yourself. You know what I mean? And like wrestling with it. And I mean, that's how you, you know, that's how you figure out what you do think and what you do, you know? So, yeah, I think it's, it's weird. It's hard to find that line though. Right. Because it's, but, but at the end of the day though, right. It's also probably hard to find challenging literature that you want someone who's going to be a young adult to be exposed to without any of that in it. And you don't want to give somebody literature designated as young adult literature. No, you don't. That's a mistake because you're you're stunted if you write that stuff. Something's wrong with you. You question why a man dates a teenager, you know what I mean? No one's that cool. Like, oh, he has a shit. He has a Camaro. Like, he's a fucking predator. Like, there's a reason you write YA literature and people might say, oh, it's its own art. It's, It's even more challenging in a way. It's like, no, it's not. I can make a fucking coloring book. Like, whatever. Like, bullshit. Yeah, right. <laughs> YA literature sucks. I'm with you. I, I, I am completely. Is the Little yeah. Prince young adult literature? Yeah. No, it's not young adult literature. <laughs> it's, a, it's a legitimate book, and it's the greatest book that a kid could read, possibly. You know what yeah. I mean? To kill no, a mockingbird is not young adult literature. I it's do one know of the greatest mean, literary there, achievements there, in the world. There's kind of a specific thing that is is YA literature. You know, and it's not necessarily everything that's written for a young adult or that a young adult commonly reads. And I do, I definitely agree with you. But yeah, I mean, once you're like a, a teen, though, I mean, you want to, yeah, I don't know, you got to be exposed to some good 20th century adult shit. Yeah, because I mean, if you're, if you have, if you have any intelligence at all, you really want to rebel against something that's packaged, designed for you. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, here's a, here's a book for you. And, and a yes, exactly. You shouldn't read the book that is just for you. Yes, ex- that's nah. exactly right. That's exactly who the fuck right. Am I? Who do you, who do you think I am? Yeah, 20th century American literature is, is what you, what is, is what a teenager should read to like be like, Oh, holy shit. People, people can think that or like, and people, people do that and people write about that. Like it's, it's eye opening. I mean, like I, I think about like Kurt Vonnegut, um, 
in, uh, you know, who, who I first read at like 14 or 15, mm-hmm. um, catch 22. Yes. Um, Joseph Heller. It's I really read difficult that like to write something comedic, especially to write something comedic that has me enjoy it. I am the meanest person in the world. Oh, yeah. I hate fucking everything. Yeah. Uh, catch 22 is hilarious. Guys, the only thing funnier than Catch 22 is Confederacy of Dunces. Oh, that's so funny. I haven't been able to read that book. It's I so never, I never laugh out loud funny. Third, it's fucking absurd. I've made it like a third through it like multiple times, and I, 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 I get stopped. The narration out. of Ignatius and just his kind of like this like pompous, semi-autistic world. It's, it's, it's so nuts. Well like it made me literally right. stop and laugh like a bunch, and that was an achievement for me. I was like, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. It's hard to be funny. Yeah. I, I definitely laughed out loud reading Catch-22. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just so clever. Mm-hmm. But also so, like, depressing and moving. And, like, like you know, I mean, like, humor, yeah. I mean, like he, like, he does a really great job with that book, especially since it's told out of order. You know what I mean? So it's like the book has it, – it absolutely has an arc, but it doesn't exactly correspond with time. But, like, the last third of that book – after you've been going through it and you've been like mildly amused, even by the danger and the death and some of the depressing stuff, you've been pretty amused this whole time. And then in the last third, he just like clumps it down on your head, you know? And you're like full metal jacket style. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, and um, you know, and it's amazing and it, it's eye opening, and, and, you know, and the language that's used, I mean, and that's a book that like, yeah, it contains a lot of like, prostitute sex right, and like I was just gonna say that really, nurses and stuff like you it know didn't make me romanticize you know being a soldier no, i wasn't into that but it really not. made me think it was cool to hang around wartime rome in like a prostitute <laughs> den with the boys like that seemed cool like it seemed like yeah. it was like a cool thing yeah well that was the funny thing right was because the defeated italians who had nothing more to fight for and like nothing else to do actually did seem to have absolutely the best time out of everybody. That's um, kind of like a parable for you publishing my work. Are you a defeated Italian who has nothing but <laughs> no, Italian pleasures to go ahead and publish in the last days of the empire? Are you waiting for your, you know, your Mussolini figure to come wipe you out as like some type of like Salo Lord of the state? Yes. Well, America does occupy New Hampshire, just like occupied Italy in Catch-22. And, um, you know, we're waiting for them to leave. And (laughs) and so that we can go back to our traditional way of life. You want to go back to Plymouth. Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, that's good stuff. Yeah, but you're right. It's it's hard. It's, It's hard to find what but yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, Vonnegut's a good one. Um, you have some nice dramatic pauses with your camera. I noticed this in previous podcasts. You do have a good freezing uh, situation, and yours does start on, stops at like really opportune times. You're like, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't even see you freeze just now. Maybe it's maybe it's my uh, you know the buffering on my end here. I am next to the beach in Atlantic City in a you know hole of time and space. Yeah, tell us about Atlantic City a little bit. Tell our audience. Probably not a lot of I, I I my only experience with Atlantic City was two nights spent there in two thousand and eight for a very, very good bachelor party. Two thousand and eight was a good year. You've probably seen the best. 
Uh, I did. It was nice. I, I honestly thought it was, I mean, we went to some seedy places, you know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. But, it was, but, but I, I, I thought it was nice. We had a good time. The casino 2008 was when they discovered all the hookers bodies at Maloney's uptown, that hooker serial killer killed nine of them over the span of a year and stuffed their bodies in a, uh, in the attic of a place, Maloney's uptown where my friends, uh, band tsunami rising used to play, uh, punk shows. Uh, yeah, 2008 was cool. So, uh, you know, Atlantic City is uh, it's a fallen city, you know. It's uh, it's the only place I could live on the beach and uh, afford it. You know, I left South Philly to come down here. Uh, I wanted to be by the beach, wanted to be by the ocean, I'm wanted to be beach, able to surf on a daily guy, basis. You know, as you can see, um, exactly. so I I can appreciate that urge for sure. It's just that it's 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 just there's a lot of property crime. It's not like Philly where there's just a lot of like. It's not as much violence and guns and stuff, but there is, but it's just a couple street. It's, it's fucking wild around here. It's really wild around here. It's, you know, I just, I kind of like being around the chaos a little bit. It's kind of like a step down from where, and I just can't, I can't c- commit myself to the suburbs just yet. Yeah. Well, but they took your car or Rachel's car, right? Rachel's car. We had it for 24 yeah. hours. So new car. Yeah. Crappy. Crappy. Tags on it. They took it. They did right in front right of my house yeah. while I was grilling in the backyard. Outside, you know, and they yeah, just I missed it. If yeah, you know, uh, and that's why I wanted the crossbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. I totally hear you. In New Hampshire, I will just say, I know you're not ready for this kind of life, but you ki- you could have a crossbow or a gun or any most weapons that you want. You can have here. That's that's a major re. That's a it's a strong consideration, and it's like you know, we none of us like lock our cars or anything, and like you know, like the way my house is structured, right? Like my driveway is actually like the least visible from inside the house, you know, in terms of like the most blind spots, you know. So it would be like really easy for someone to just jack my car if they wanted to, you know. But like, first of all, it's like rural, you know, and of course there's there's just less of that activity in general, but like. There is, there's some, not a hundred percent, but there is some credence to the, to the gun people who make the point that we do have very low crime and people really do consider the fact that when they go on anyone else's property, that they, that person might be armed. Like that's a real thing to consider. Like when I see no trespassing signs, I do mostly listen to them because not because they'll shoot. But I don't even want to be threatened with a gun. And, and that happens, you know, like change my behavior on the road, because there's been so many gun incidents in Philadelphia and New Jersey about road rage incidents lately where they're completely strangers just shooting at each other because of <laughs> words exchange and shit. And it's made me totally yeah. change my road rage ways because you never know who the fuck because I get really bold with it. Like mm-hmm. I'll pursue somebody in the car for a couple blocks. I'll like, yeah, yeah. Them. you know, I do all kinds of goofy shit. Like, you're in a, you know, contact that some old Asian lady. You're like, ah, oh, no, like what am yeah. I, talking about? <laughs> but, uh, you never know when that person's going to shoot you. Yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. Yeah. I used to be like that when I was young and more hot headed, but like, you know, yeah, over time I, Calm down. I've gotten meaner as I got older. Have you really? Yeah. I, I have calmed down. I I'll st- I will still yell and I'll flip the bird and I will like I'll stare at somebody through my mirror um, if I don't like what they're doing. But um, I let myself take it personally. Like, oh, so you would kill me? Like, you don't mind? 
jeopardizing my life. Yes, no, and that is, I still feel that way. Weird. Yeah, it's a personal affront, you know, and, and, and you have to, you can't let it be unanswered, right? Mm, it really is. I know the feeling. See, this is why I'm at home when I'm in New Jersey, you know, like I, like I just, you know, yeah, I'm. It's fucked. They do temper you up here, though. You do eventually get worn down, and you you chill out a little bit, um, which is mostly good, I think. You know, um, the road rage didn't do me any favors at any point in time. I don't think. No, it doesn't serve you. Does if it doesn't serve you, what's the point, right? Exactly. You got to cut those things out. Yeah, exactly. Less yeah, I mean, so I mean, we had some. In, so even you know, back in two thousand and eight, like yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't suffer any crimes, fortunately, but. It, we we did one thing that like none of us knew, which is hilarious. I didn't plan the bachelor party, even though I was I was the best man of the wedding, but I didn't plan the party. Um, but we didn't know um, New Jersey's nudity rules, right? Where you can't. And this is actually I I asked you know my buddies about this. I'm like, what the hell? Like it's an anachronism in The Sopranos. Um, it's a major anachronism, in fact, because in New Jersey, and then I don't know if it's changed since what about then. Strip clubs with alcohol? Yes. Yeah, you, you can't, can't have alcohol before you Yeah. No body parts in the same place. So if you want to have a real strip club where people get naked, it's BYOB. And like there's like a cover well, Otherwise, it's a go go bar or it's topless bar. There's a lot of these half strip clubs. Not a, not a lot. There's a number of them. There was one across the street from my high school in Gloucester, at Gloucester Catholic, in Gloucester City called Billy's Place. And a lot of the, when the girls would graduate, they would go and work there. Uh, it was a topless only bar. So it was basically like you're not getting a strip club, you're not getting a lap dance, you're not doing all the strip club stuff. You're just getting served beer by a woman who's not wearing a shirt, which is more sad. Then going to yeah. a strip club in a way. Well, it, it was it was sad. Uh, but we we ended up in a place really where there was there was a back room, but like we ended up in this place because we're like walking down the street and like this dude like comes out of an alley with cards and he's like, "Hey, what are you guys doing? You guys look like you're." I give you cards to bear exposures. That was what it was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. He'll do that. He'll do that. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, I'm glad you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we went there, and that was that was a little bit of a sad place. They're all um, sad places. Yeah, yeah. Not for yeah. me. Not my thing. No, it was, it's it's that's the thing is it's never my been thing. my thing. Actually, so this is the funny thing is that I I've never been a a, a strip club guy at all. No. And um, we we went the next night. We went to like the 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 real strip club place, um, uh, where it was BYOB and stuff, right? And I had um you know, well past the statute of limitations here. I had um, like, like one, maybe me and one of the 12 had like a good strong hit of ecstasy um, that we took that night. Right. And so we went to this strip club, right. And, you know, um, the, so we're in this place and like, it, you know, this place was weird too. And, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm very high. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling quite a bit and I'm just like, wow, this is remarkable. I'm at this place and they charge me like, I don't remember if it was 20 or 40 bucks. Right. But they like take your phone and they like take your, like they take all your shit. Right. And I'm like, I just paid these people and then I got to pay them extra money to like steal my stuff from me so that I can go into this place that I don't really even want to go into 
And then I found this so, I found this hilarious. I was like, wow, what a world, right? <laughs> and this is Atlantic's in me. Cause that was my joke the whole time. I was, I was, I was doing multiple like hallucinogens on different days. And so the first day we had taken um, LSD and um, I was coming up in the casino and like, I walked up to a, um, some kind of, it wasn't straight video poker, but it was just like a video machine. And like, I, you know, I put like $5 in and it was I was the ATM. Yeah, right. And I, I was like, I was like, button, button, button. And they were like, you lose. And I was like, wow. I was like, they have machines that just take money. And like, that's, <laughs> that's what this place is, you know? And so, and so this was continued as I go into this, this strip club place where I'm like, wow, they just, they really do. They invent all kinds of new ways to take money from you here in Atlantic city. What a fun place. And so we're in the place and like, I just, didn't care at all about the naked people. Right. But what was fascinating to me was the walls were all mirrors and like the baseline of the music. And so I was just sitting there grinning, like looking at myself, like refracted in like eight different mirrors across the place as like lights were like beaming around and all this stuff. And like, you know, people are like doing lap dances and like weird stuff that they did in this place. It was very bizarre and not, I didn't find it um, arousing at all, but the mirrors and the music and the lights were fascinating. Yeah, that's that Atlantic City effect. Man. It was sad. That's the Atlantic City effect. That that three to six a.m. <laughs> low energy, yet the automation around you is going strong. And there's like there's the little Chinese people eating breakfast. Yet there's the people from the night before. It's yeah. very strange, and it's not like yeah, we definitely went all not, night. It's, it's like, not like that, like mid nineties, like Vegas in like a pink boa. Like, oh, what happens here stays here. No, it's like it's very sinister. It's yeah, it's, yeah. It's the red room. <laughs> it's it's the backward talking dwarf. It's all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all yes. of that, and that is kind of what I liked about it, you know. And like, I have never been. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't do drugs at all now, but mm -hmm. I had never been a uh, fan of cocaine. Uh, you yeah. know, I love to do the opposite. However, anytime I was in Atlantic City after like the 15th beer, I was always finally broken down. And someone's like, ah, just do the line with us. And yeah. then it would just instantly sober me up. And I'd be in Atlantic City, like 4 a.m., feeling instantly hungover and horrible. Yeah, and my yeah, yeah. friends are like, you're jittery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like fighting with some like Staten Island dudes, and like I'm getting pulled into it, and it's like it's crazy. And that's the Atlantic City I have nothing to do with. I don't, I haven't, we haven't been to the casinos once since we've lived here, besides to go to the uh, the Lucky Snake Arcade and the Showboat, the world's them East Coast's largest indoor arcade. Not a that's casino cool. game in sight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, you know, go karts, uh, no, world's I mean largest Pac Man, you know, nerdy shit. I don't, the, the, the casinos are like a separate world. They are I their haven't own world. been to a casino in like, I think 10 years or so. I know people who I've been locked up with, I've been in places with whatever, who are professionals in the casino, not gamblers, mm -hmm. but like they make a second. That's their whole life is like checking machines for like people's, you know, cards that they left or grifting oh, off wow. people. Like I know people who literally who steal from the from the outlets, the Atlantic City outlets, like professionally, like Atlantic City has a gig economy based off of like different levels of grift down. And I just suffered from the third level down the other day. They took my car. That's how that goes. Yeah, they took the Someone car. Someone lost in the casino. They won a Subaru. Congratulations. You're a lesbian. It's just like that. Yeah. Wow. That's 
that's an interesting dynamic. That's that is a that is they a went in a casino. A person who wanted to win money. They came out with an outback, and now they are a woman who likes women. That happens sometimes. It happens up here all the time. They just don't. I don't know how many of them get it in a casino, but you know, that's a lot of speculation on my part. But uh, yeah. I, I don't mean to get back into the car. You know, nobody yeah. knows about my car. It's a very specific conversation. It's all right. It's a it's a raw it's a raw thing. I think, um, as as is understandable, as is understandable. But yeah, yeah, a lot of adventure to be had. But yeah, I mean, if you're living there, like it's kind of a mistake to make it a habit to go to casinos. You know, I mean, casinos to me, like casinos are fun. Like if you have a bunch of extra money, like to lose, you know, that like you can afford to lose it, right? And you're going with a bunch of friends and you're just, cause gambling can be fun, you know, um, as long as you don't need to win. And as long as you are not losing money that you shouldn't lose, you know? And when I was younger, I mean, I would just, and I mean, I had no self-control. So like I was always going to the ATM, you know, I mean, now I wouldn't, I would not have that temptation, honestly. Um, I, and I don't, like I said, I, that's why I don't, I don't go to casinos. I don't not go to casinos because I could get in trouble there. I just have little interest. Do you have in, casinos? In Do you have legalized gambling in New Hampshire? No. Well, I mean, so we could get to one in like a couple hours, you know, but I mean, the closest yeah, is like Foxwoods in Mohegan, you know, or no, no, I shouldn't say that. No, it's legal in mass now. So we can go to Springfield. We can uh, go to Boston. Um, I forget that. Now, I've never no, done it. I haven't no, gone to gambling legal in, in New Hampshire. Can you do you have like can you do DraftKings on your phone? Or are you blocked by location? I want to say they just legalized that. Okay. Yeah. I think DraftKings was blocked um, for a while, but I don't. Yeah. Think I forget about it. that. And I'll be in a different state and going to go place a bet or something on a fight. And then I'll be like, oh, shit, I'm not home. Yeah, I, I think it's been legal for a while and, and New York just legalized it and like all this stuff. Right. What was crazy to me was I saw a buddy of mine who lives in LA um post the other day, like a happy post about how like California defeated legalized sports gambling. And I was and it was like it wasn't even a close margin. And I just like I commented on it and I was like, dude, that's really I mean, on the East Coast, like you can't really even find anybody who strongly opposes sports gambling, you know? Um yeah, I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what the what the reasoning behind it is, what the, what the pushback well, it's, is. It's just the, the, it's, it's old anti-gambling arguments. Like it's not whether, like an integrity of sports thing, is it? Not usually. I don't think it's I usually, say, why the fuck would California vote? They no, I think it, yeah, exactly. No, I think it's more like, um, we can't let these poor people have this vice because they can't control themselves. Oh, uh, so, like we can't have discount cigarettes. Exactly. Exactly. You can't let cartoon characters sell them to kids anymore. Yeah. Well, the West Coast we is always been... out of cereal. We can't yeah. make them it, mandatory in kindergarten exactly. anymore. And, and the West Coast has always been more in favor of those things than than the East Coast. Although sometimes New York is like that too, and they even they're embracing the sports gambling. Listen, smoking's good, gambling's good. That's why you can't do it too much. That's why. Yeah. It's the point. It's good. It's fun. Yeah, yeah I agree. And it's um, up to you at your own detriment to either fall down the hole you. or not. That's right. It's up to you. Yeah, exactly. For any of the uh, kids listening, smoking cigarettes are not good. We um, This actually comes up often on the show because I, I don't I smoke cigarettes. I don't I accidentally um, will endorse smoking all the time. I quit. I don't I smoke quit. anymore, but they're, they're great, but they're, they're, 
I won't deny that cigarettes are awesome. I smoke and Newports. What did you smoke? I well, so before I quit, like the first time, because now it, they're even harder to find. But Camel Reds, you ever see those? Camel with a K. Um, Camel Reds for years and years and years. And in fact, what happened was um, because they are a harsh smoke. And when I quit the first time, and then a couple of the outlets that used to sell them by me stopped because I was probably the only customer. And um, when I would try to go, like, so I so I would buy like you know either just Camel filters or um, even American spirits. And then I would grab a pack of camel red somewhere and I couldn't, I lost the ability. I couldn't do it anymore. They were too, too much, too harsh. Now what about you, Zoe? Not, not never a smoker, right? Can I assume that? I'll smoke like a cigarette or two a year. Annual. Sure. That's good. That's good to do. I like them. I like them. That's That's healthy. So I decided not to ever make it a habit. Just wow. very smart. Impressive. Very smart. Yeah. It's very impressive. Very smart. Definitely. Now, if you yeah. were to smoke, what would you smoke? What would your brain be? Well, I have what I have in my house are um what are they? They're like the the genre and blacks. Jar and blacks. You know, the genre and blacks. The real, cloves. The real cloves, ones. Cloves, like cloves. I had to order them from like Indonesia or something. Ah, uh, Indonesian they, cloves, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted that like high school nostalgia thing. Interesting. So, I like it. That's what I have. <laughs> I I actually got started smoking cloves um, back in the day, and that's that's the reason, of course, that they banned them. You know, is because kids would do that. Um, yeah, exactly. Because of me, you know. But I mean, that's the thing, though, is that like, I don't know. I would have, I would have done the regular butts, anyways. <laughs> My first cigarette, I was pumping gas at the mobile gas station that uh, my neighbor owned, my father's friend. Yeah. Yeah, I was 14, and I was pumping gas with the older guys, and, uh, you know, I was like, let me get a cigarette. And they're like, get your own pack. You know, we work here, cigarettes, and I was like, what type of of cigarette smoker am I, you know, my first pack of cigarettes? And they were like, well, you look like – Yeah, 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 right. You look like a camel wide man. (laughs) <laughs> and uh they pushed me into uh are you familiar with camel wides oh yeah like yeah, a you fucking yeah, yeah I mean, big, big fat motherfuckers yeah i used to smoke those in college yeah i was about 95 pounds like yeah. four foot 11 and yeah. i was like yeah i took a huge drag and i was like ah, <laughs> you know <laughs> and i smoked that whole pack of camel wides and then i went right to newports never looked back when I was first in college, like maybe that first like semester or two, we were almost none of us were like a hundred percent brand loyal. And so I would like get paid for my job. Right. And I would go to the store 24 and I would literally be like, I'm going to decide based on the marketing, based on all the cigarette signs that are up on the top. It's really entertaining for a, for a clerk too. Like, yeah. And I, like a jaded middle-aged clerk. And they're like, like, Hey, my good man, which cigarettes are good today? You're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, right. I would go in there and I would just buy any of them. Just see what struck me, right? I would be like, I remember one time being like, all right, I see I see Marlboro with like three horses. Like, am I feeling in a like home on the range kind of mood? You know, this is exactly how I buy wine, just for the record. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Well, wine labels are a lot more interesting than cigarette labels. It would be like Parliament Lights, right? And it would be like this like marble building with like in Greece somewhere with like a party on the on the uh, Mediterranean, right? And I'd be like, ooh, or do I f- am I feeling like that, you know? Um, yeah, the Virginia and- Slim marketing is like an old lady at a cafeteria. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like o- it's like an over manicured hand. Um, with a with a little cigarette coming out of it, I do feel like that today, actually. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, sometimes you do. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I. Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, do you remember the late '90s Camel short? There was like a campaign of cigarettes that came in a tin, and they had different flavors. There was like Midnight Madness. Oh, I kind of do remember that. Yeah, Turkish something that. or they had these like flavors, yeah. and they came in a tin, and you could like slide them, and the, and they made you feel like like an old timey hooker or something with like a yeah, cigarette yeah. case. I never got to enjoy any of those, but yes, I remember that campaign. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, so you know. my my first boyfriend, who was a, a Newport man himself. Um, oh, he's dead now. My, then great. No, just, I don't know what he smokes now. I just haven't talked to him in like 20 years. That's all. Talks like this. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. He he liked he liked those like cases so much that he bought a case. Like he's like I need a cigarette case now. That's pretty it's it's a pretty nice thing to have. I mean, you know, uh cigarette holder, cigarette case. See, uh-huh. cigarette holder, I'm I'm often enticed by that idea. <laughs> you would look great with a cigarette holder. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you where do you get these things? I used uh-huh. to I, I've I've had multiple cigarette holders, actually. Um I used to smoke one uh with one in college. Uh, there's a p I'll I'll show it to you when you're over here. There's a picture on my wall of me with a, a cigarette in a holder. I think you can go to your um, local French supply store. <laughs> yeah. Uh berets and cigarette holders i don't know i don't know if we have those here we can't even get like good french bread here uh, yeah i don't have much of a french population here to be honest <laughs> the normans didn't make it this far no 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 but you don't need french bread down there though you but like see, see here's the here's the point though dude we have that, all the bread yeah that's what i mean that's that's what i'm saying is that is that down there like you have like bakeries and delis, like where people yeah. like know what they're doing. And that's and why like, you can't open a cheesesteak spot in Florida. People are like, ah, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll move from South Philly and we'll go down here to Naples, Florida and we'll blow the people's mind. The bread fucking sucks. It's something about the water. That's the big <laughs> yeah, rumor. They're always like, yeah, yeah. My yeah. mom's in Florida. She's like, I can't get a good hoagie. Oh, you know, we say yeah. hoagie. We don't say sub or whatever. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you call a sandwich? I call it a sub. Sub. Some people around here say grinder. So my understanding is a grinder is a hot sandwich, like a chicken parm. I never called it that, but that is what some people say. Mm. Um, I mean, you guys don't have good cheesesteaks up there, I'm sure. No, I mean, but let me ask you this. Like, do you, so, I mean, like the proper cheesesteak in Philly has, um, what, what's the cheese? Is it like cheese whiz or something? Is that correct? That's, that's like the standard because, uh, I mean, you order by cheese. You either say, you know, you say American wit cheese with cheese without you know with or without onions uh yeah. that, that nacho cheese i mean that shit fucks me up i do american I do american with that's what i get when i get a, a steak and, a and cheese ketchup, just a little ketchup mm-hmm. fried onion yeah, i said that baby yeah <laughs> um 
<laughs> no, but it's nothing. It's not, you know, it's, you know, we can get crappy shaved beef with American cheese. You know, what's the, what's the New Hampshire signature sandwich? It's, you know, New Hampshire's, a little, huh? <laughs> New Hampshire's a little bit like England. You know what I mean? Like we're not known for our food, you know, and, 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 and roll. that's the New Ham- that could be the New Hampshire sandwich. Yeah, I mean, but they, that's just by virtue of being in New England. You know what I mean? Like, this, but I mean, you know, if we have to pick one, isn't that? If we had to pick one, sure. And lobster rolls, I, I am a big fan of lobster rolls. We do have good seafood here, you know. But as as someone who, like, my family is all from the Boston area, you know, so like I am a little bit more used to the types of things that you would be used to in New York, New Jersey, and Philly, you know, in terms of like the, you know, the food, the delis, the bread, you know, stuff like that. And it, it is, just absent like there's just there's just none of it it's hard to get a good sandwich it's hard to get it's definitely i mean pizza forget i was you know gonna say that goes, how's your that local goes pizzerias trash or you want to so plug we, one right now or you know a shout well, out we, we have so we did a whole contest we judged every pizza place in i don't know we didn't 20, do an exact radius minutes. but it was a game minutes. a divorced dad plays on the weekends with his kids we're gonna start a pizza club guys because i love you and we do meaningful activities together well let me tell you it's not that easy to judge like six different types of pizza in one sitting you know and every single time it would it would it would fuck me up and i just think it was a combination of like every sauce and cheese being just slightly different you're so sick and it was, I yeah, no, I, yeah, I it could not eat for like pizza for like a month yeah. or more after this. Yeah. It just made me like, and you no. don't want to, you don't want to ruin pizza for yourself. Of course no, not. It's no. all right. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, we, there we, is, there was though. a clear winner. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was, there was a clear winner. So there was one place that, that does make excellent pizza. What they really, it called? What's it called? Ziza. How do you spell that? Z-I-Z-Z-A. And it's in Milford, New Hampshire. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that the place out on uh, on Elm, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, of course. And then there's a place in Peterborough called Poncho's, which is decent. It, it right, is so. From what I understand here, this Ziza place looks like uh, Napolitana style pizza. Yeah. Yes. So they they're like, big they into the, like the uh, it's a ninety the fern, second ninety the second oven. trend. Mm-hmm. The char. You got the char. Yeah, okay. they, they do the char. They do the char. Yeah. Uh, okay. But they don't mess around. They got the right sauce. They got the right cheese. They got the do right. Do they cut it in slices or do they cut it in an oblong type of eight, you know, six slice non circular? Slice. It's normal slice. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's round. It's normal. Sometimes normal. pizza Napolitana, they get a little wild with it. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, ah, oh, you know, you don't want to go too artisanal with it because it's fucking pizza. You know, I worked for. The man who had the number one pizzeria in the United States, Una Pizza Napolitana, Anthony Mangieri, who owns Una Pizza Napolitana in San Francisco and Manhattan. I worked for him in Rums in New Jersey during a stopover while he was waiting for his pizzeria to open. I worked for a gentleman, Vic Rallo, who was on TV, uh, Eat Drink Italy with Vic Rallo. He owned a restaurant. And we had here, Anthony Mangieri develop our pizza program. I was a, a bartender and drug addict. Um, so... The pizza was really great. It's a 1200 degree wood burning oven, you know, 30 seconds in, 30 out. It's great. It tastes good and all that, but it's, you know, using burrata and buffalo mozzarella and shit. And, you know, 
it's just this soggy pizza and you go to slice it and oblong and like you hand it to somebody and it slops and every single customer is like, Oh, you know, Hey, this. And they're like, I don't appreciate that. There had to be an explanation to, to the yeah. people like from the waiters, like, Oh, oh it's supposed God. to be like this. You know, if it was in Italy like this, well, well fuck you. Like, you yeah, know right. what I mean? I don't Should need some type of disclaimer to find out why my instincts are wrong. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be the best. <laughs> but it's but it's actually not. But you're telling me why I don't know why it's actually the best. Oh, and that char is good. You want it a little burnt like that. You know what I mean? Like, listen, a margarita has sour mix in it. It is not agave nectar and, and tequila. <laughs> Part of the appeal is the drink is the disgusting nature of like the weird 80s day glow flavor of sour mix. This bright aunt green. And it's like. It's the same thing with pizza. It has to have a little bit of an element of, of trashiness to it. You, you're outthinking it. You know what I mean? You're outthinking the pizza. Absolutely. You should not. Yes. You Does should that answer not, your question? It certainly <laughs> did. Great. It certainly, it certainly did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not. Yeah. We just kind of get by um, without <laughs> without those things. <laughs> right. And, you know, um, we we enjoy them when we go to other places, and that's that's about the best we can do. It's a good summary of life. Yeah. <laughs> so on the topic of uh, local food, though, I I wanted to show you, Jared, our yes. headline news for this week. I just wanted to get your like reaction, at, you know, to this being like our front page headline. Um, for the, our paper comes out on Tuesday and Thursday only, just so you know. So they've got a few days to collect the news. And this is the headline for Tuesday. Farm. Can you see that? Farm yes, no, raises turkeys for Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know? that's kind of inevitable, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's just nice, though. I mean, I like that headline. It's it, it's, it's like reassuring. It's like, <laughs> like it's really stand, happening. Stand rides at midnight. Can continue to turn. The farms are churning out the turkeys. <laughs> Someone's you know? taking care of it. Yeah. So you want to know an interesting fact about turkeys around here? Wow. Do, you, do you, I imagine? I mean, certainly not in Atlantic City, but do you, I mean, you do you ever see turkeys running around? Yeah, my father lives on a golf course, and there's a, a real nuisance of wild turkeys. There was a population of 2,200 of them 10 years ago, and now there's 22,000, and they have yeah. no natural predators, and they're fearless in packs. They chase old ladies around. They're like 40-pound turkeys. Yeah, they're big-ass. They're really nuts. My dad yeah, like hits them with they, the golf club. They do get aggressive on golf courses. Yeah. I've, yeah, it's where, he, it's where he goes at them. He's like, ah, yeah. you know, you hack yeah. them. Yeah. Jeez, so I don't know if do it's that. the same incident that's at fault in New Jersey. It might be, but it might be separate. But, you know, turkeys were native up here, right? And they wiped them out long time ago, like a hundred years ago, they were gone, you know? And when I was growing up, never, ever saw a turkey. Um, but it turns out there, they know like there's people with names, right? In Western Massachusetts who decided to reintroduce the wild turkey to New England and see if it would work. They got turkeys from like the Carolinas and they brought them up there and they just started breeding them and then let them go. 
And now they're everywhere. And this was like, I don't know, like the eighties or nineties. Like this was not a long time ago. Like this just happened. Um, and yeah, you're right. No natural predators here either. Nothing eats them. They just walk around breeding. Um, and you know, just sort of waddling around. We hunt them in, in, um, but it's usually just two months a year. Um, a, there's like a spring season and a fall season for what, shooting turkeys. What are you drinking there, Chris? Is that Sauvignon Blanc? This is Pinot Grigio. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just just curious. Just looking at your your office room there. Yep. Little screw yeah, I top. I love it. Yeah, they don't have cork left in the world. There's just not enough cork left. Diminishing yeah, and supply. there's no point with white wine anyway, so they don't they don't usually bother anymore. There's no point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is what it is, but yeah, yeah. We Her got- headline's great though. I love that yeah. headline and I approve. I mean, I like it. I like it. You know, we, we impeached Krasner in, uh, in, in Philly yesterday and the DA and you know, you guys, it's just not so much turmoil. It's like yeah. good stuff. Like we're like radically reevaluating whether Philadelphia is, you know, going to be fall to the fall of the darkness and what are we going to do when, you know, murder, murder. And it's like Turkey and that's better. It's yeah, no, it is. Yeah, we it it's quite true. You have a lighter. Yeah. What did you um you know, so speaking of our our more tranquil system, you actually did some research before this episode and um you know, you had a you you were looking at a particular race. A political uh, New Hampshire race. Yeah. For executive council. Which one was that? It was uh it was it was it was the auctioneer guy who who lost. Uh, it was really bothering me. His name was uh, James. Uh, what the hell? Oh no, Harold French. Harold French. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was intriguing to me that that he lost because I figured as an auctioneer he'd have a natural advantage over the competition just in uh, you know in speaking ability. But well, I, I, I didn't see enough of it. You know, I, I just read the headlines. You know, you read the Keen Sentinel. You got to take. You know, you got to take uh, what what Jack Rooney from the Sentinel staff says as as gospel. You, you do have to, yes. And you know, <laughs> excuse me. That's the thing around here, though, and and this may play into it as well. Is that um, this is true of pretty much all of our races, except for sometimes our like Senate races, sometimes our governors' races, but for most of these other ones, and executive council races are usually like the least sexy of all, right? But what is an executive council? That's not something that normal places have. No, nobody has an executive council. So executive council is like a holdover from like the 1600s, right? And it is, so in our state, we, we have a very bizarre system of government, really, where we, we have our normal like bicameral legislature with the House of Representatives and a Senate, right? But the House of Representatives has 400 people in it. And so like every... I think it's like 3000 people or something get a representative in the New Hampshire Congress. Um, So that's a lot, right? It's the, it is the, um, no, 3000 is a small number of representatives. Like, I mean, in, um, I'm sure in the New Jersey. No, no, state, I mean the number of representatives. Is that a oh, large yeah, it, number of representatives? It is, it's like the fourth biggest English speaking legislature in the world. I wasn't positive, but it's, yeah, no, it's huge. And then the Senate has like 35, right. And that's our legislative branch, but our executive branch is not just the governor. It's the governor and the executive council. And so the governor is mostly the executive, 
but the executive council acts as a check on him in certain cases. Like, like Calig- Caligula and his boys. Kinda. They, so like if, but if they, sometimes it's a split party thing, you know what I mean? Where one party controls the council and another party. So they controls- never get anything done. Well, so usually they cooperate in the end because it's limited things. Like the executive council is mostly limited to like veto power. So like they can, um, they have to approve of like judges, like judicial appointments they have to sign off on. Um, they, I think the budget, um, perhaps, or it may even not be the budget itself, but it might be the way the governor intends to execute the spending of the budget. They have like some say over, um, but it's a very unique and anachronistic position that most people in New Hampshire don't even understand. So that's why those races are, are very little covered. Um, but, but to be clear, none of these races get a lot of airtime. There's not because there's no New Hampshire media market. You know, there's a very small ABC affiliate in Manchester, but they don't do their own programming outside of like the basic news, right? So everything else is in the Boston market. Um, so there's no, there's almost no televised. There's some, but almost no televised debates. Almost no. Um, it, it's hard to find somebody's speech, you know, and and in fact. These candidates, in in some cases, will have only one or zero in-person debates either. So in order to hear the auctioneer, you probably had to go in person to see the auctioneer. It didn't even help him. It's it's just, it's really sad that, I get it. You've really (laughs) illustrated it for me. I'm going to go ahead and say it this time. I just might as well say I have never cast a vote or been registered to vote in an election. I we voted have a very one time position on that here at Goldman Adnock. I voted for the McRib sandwich to make its return to McDonald's, and it did. And I was Do you successful. Like that? I don't. I I love McDonald's, and I don't like the McRib. I've never had it. I'm an agent <laughs> of chaos. I wanted that. <laughs> I um. No, I've never. You know, to vote for McRib to come back. <laughs> exactly, because like who knows what it'll do to the people? You know, I want to see what it'll do. Um. Yeah, I just, you know, it's it's just it's just tough. It's just it's just tough. You know, you want just you know, I'd like to see the auctioneer speak. That's all. You know. Yeah, and um, to be clear, as as we discovered, because this was this Jared brought this to us before the show, and I had to look it up because I'm like, yeah, I remember because I he he was like, yeah, he was beaten by Cindy Warmington, and I'm like, oh yeah, that name was on our ballot, and um, so you know, I looked it up and um. As I, w- I was, I was able to comfort Jared with the fact that the auctioneer is, in fact, still in office because he is a sitting New Hampshire state senator anyway, and he did not lose his seat, so he's he's still um, has, he's still able to win, um, just not that particular seat. Yeah, well, one of your guys on the executive council, uh, you know, Councillor David Wheeler, Republican, he was named Granite State Taxpayer's number one friend of the taxpayer in 96 and 97. So it seems like there <laughs> was support. You know, I mean, you, you you do have some some great civil servants in the 90s, at least. What are they up to now? Who knows? Nobody listens to them debate. Right. He's it's also hard. a lifetime member of the Purgatory Falls Fish and Game Club in Mount Vernon. I don't know. If you guys are familiar with that place, but it sounds ominous to me. Purgatory Falls. I've been to Purgatory Falls. It's beautiful. That's and the I, place you might get your car stolen, though, if you park at the parking lot there, or at least broken. Yeah, and and I'm and I'm guessing just based on the name, because this is a thing that exists around here, is that it is a private game preserve, which those places are usually quite exclusive, 
and quite shady seeming, you know, like I don't, I don't mean to, yeah, I don't have I a don't, big hunting, you know, game around here. That's not a big, uh, big thing here. Yeah, so. so hunting, hunting in general is huge, you know, but these gaming preserves, they often bring in like exotic animals. Like, so there's a really famous, um, or infamous one in this bizarre town called Croydon. Croydon is kind of near where, um, JD Salinger used to, um, hide out, um, for all of his years. Right. Um, and this place has been around since like the, um, a hundred years or so, I think, because I'm pretty sure there was an incident. There's a big hurricane in, in New Hampshire, 38, and the fence came down. And a, and there's, I want to say, there's still to this day in that area some boars that descended from boars that escaped when the wall came down. Or maybe it even happened more recently than that. But in any case, that place is like ultra exclusive. It's like literally like um, some insane amount, tens of thousands of dollars per year to be a member. And like you have to like go through a process. And like, again, I don't want to imply or slander anyone by saying this, but the level of secrecy that exists with these places, it, it's very like uh, Epstein's Island-like. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, it's like those, it, it is, it's like those kind of people in those kind of places where it's like, you know. The real power players come together to shoot giraffe. Yeah. And, and do whatever kind of discussions or other activities that they do. Um, Why should we begrudge them from that? People are always like, Oh, break that up. Well, what do you, where do you want them to meet? What do you want them to do? That's what they oh need. yeah. I mean, well, Bohemian Grove itself, that doesn't necessarily bother me. I mean, the guy would, if I was one of those people, I definitely would do that. Sure. I'd want to hobnob with the people like me because uh -huh. I, I I worked hard. It's time for me to exert control over the populace. Let's see what yeah. the guys are doing. Well, and you know, the good thing about Bohemian Grove is it it's that's that's like the entry point for accepted artists and musicians into that ruling coterie. You know what I mean? And like we want some of them in there, right? Well, that was the the genesis of it is that it was supposed to be some type of like alternate art scene and then it became popular to the point where the local dignitary pop politician types wanted in and they got invited mm. to it until the point where they took it over and the artists are no longer part of it. And it became, I, no, I think artists very much are because like, you can know, like, I mean, like, see, like at least I think a couple of the members of the grateful dead, like a lot of those um, musician types are still in there. Um, there's some painters and stuff. I do think that you're right that the dignitaries run it now. Let's just say though, if Bobby does in fact go to the Bohemian Grove, I I'm willing to disown him, and I have never really considered him a, an important member of the dead. I don't think it's Bobby. I think it's Mickey who's in okay. the Bohemian Well, I'm Grove. always willing to throw Bobby at the wall. Just, yeah. just let, it, let it be said. I think he's a rock star, you know? Uh, yeah. He sings a nice El Paso. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He does. Bobby, you know, he's, a, he, Bobby. Uh, Bobby, he's, his, he's uh, an interesting man. He's a clown. He's <laughs> but let me just say... Uh, about 11 minutes ago, you were talking about political ads, and you did say the Boston market, and my brain yep. has been seizing on that ever since because we were talking about food, and uh, I do enjoy Boston market as a, uh, yeah. as a fast food place, and I don't eat any fast food, but Boston market is, uh, is legitimate. I, I yeah, and, it, and the, the interesting thing about Boston Market is that um, I don't really see any of them around, and I don't, and I've never known, even when I first saw one as a kid. I was like, what, 
What does this have to do with Boston? Like, it's not like people in Boston don't eat a lot of chicken. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's weird. But yes, it seems like a very nice establishment that I don't, I just don't encounter it very often. Well, it was previously Boston chicken and then they rebranded it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Actually, in fact, I remember as a kid being disappointed in Boston chicken because I wanted it to be fried and it's like roasted. You know, yeah, it's just rotisserie like chicken. chicken. You're like, what is yeah. this? It's like, yeah, I wanted like KFC is what I was after. Yeah, I mean, I've really, you know, I've I've taken things away from important subject matter. I apologize. I don't know what the important subject matter is. Well, we're, always we're, here. we're pretty much at time, anyways. You know, I mean, I think we've I think we've covered all the important events of our day you know we didn't get into donald trump or twitter but that's okay there's there's been actually several episodes now where we've been like we're going to talk about twitter and we never do as other things overtake it maybe that's okay maybe i'm not on twitter so you know i don't vote i don't on twitter that's okay yeah i mean palmucci our our last guest host he doesn't vote either and he's from jersey and he's from jersey it's probably why he doesn't vote he's probably a felon (laughs) <laughs> I don't think Talmucci is a felon actually, but well, he, um, he doesn't, you know, I mean, in New Jersey, I mean, it's uh, New Jersey is, uh, so I like, I actually like New Jersey politics, um, in a lot of ways, you know, it, New Jersey politics gives you a lot less reason to vote though, because the politics, you know, it sort of takes care of itself without the voters. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 They've got it figured out, but you know, you know, New Jersey politics is very aggressive, you know, even at the small town level, you know, um, <laughs> do you know the town of, um, Red Bank? Yes. I bartended yeah. at a restaurant called Pazzo on 44 West front street in Red Bank. Of course. Oh, no shit. All right. I'm going to tell my buddy Pat that. So Pat is, a uh, is uh, a friend of mine who's actually, he's on the, he's been on the school board. Shout out to Lenny and Lenny Jr. at Pazzo. What's up fellas? Make that pizza. Pazzo, make the pizza. Pazzo, Love it. Love it. But, you know, so I looked up Red Bank one day, though, right? Because I wanted to see the town. So Red Bank is like the same size as Peterborough in terms of population. It's like 6,000 people, right? But I I also... A lot smaller. The area is probably like four square miles. Oh, no, I'm sure. Yeah, no, right. Exactly. It's definitely definitely more condensed, right? Yeah, same number of people, though. And... So I, and I also, I'm on, I haven't read it in a long time, but I'm on the daily email list for the Red Bank Green, which is their paper or whatever. And so I see the stuff that goes on there, but I also hear from my buddy, Pat, the tales of like the, the different town government in this town of 6,000, like the town government thing. And it's great. I mean, it's like people are doing maneuver. They're, they're like maneuvering and they're like doing moves on their opponents and like all this shit. And like, you know. I love that. And we don't do that here at all, you know, and it's, it's much less fun because of it. Um, I, I like, I mean, even on, even on, I, I don't think he'll mind me saying this, like even on his school board, there's jockeying and there's factions and there's like, you know, I mean, you know, politics should be like this. It's, it's, yeah, I, I enjoy it. And, and there's also that criminal element in New Jersey mm. politics too, where like anybody could be indicted, you know, like, Pretty much at any time, you never really know. Yeah, when, Atlantic, City's had, Atlantic City's had ten mayors in the last twelve years, and every single one of them's done time after they've served, or or they've had their term interrupted by serving time. Being the mayor of Providence, you know, like it's a, you're going, you're going to jail, or the governor of Illinois, like you know, every, they they just go to jail after they're done, um, you know, and it's but but 
it shows a willingness to take initiative, I think, in most cases. that you right, just because in boxing, it. if you're not the top-tier fighter, you cash out against the champ. You build up that 30-0 bullshit record fighting cab drivers, and then you fight Canelo, and you get the $8 million to get fucking mollywopped. Yep. That's what the mayor yep. situation is. You cashed your fucking... You cashed yeah. your shit out there, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. cashed it, and you cashed it, and you know that that fish is jail. But that fish, mm-hmm. hopefully there's enough to eat when you get out. That's the game. Yeah, that's the game. Um, you go for the whale. Is, sometimes you don't get it, and sometimes, you know, you don't. Yeah. We say around here, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do with our, you know, political coverage that we do and the debates and everything is that, you know, we're trying to foster this, like, civic culture around here. And, you know, we, we do mean that in a very wholesome way and all that stuff. However, I do also <laughs> mean it in another way. What's that? I'm suspicious of your intentions, but well, yeah, I mean, there's an. Well, what I'm, I'm admitting to it though. It's a, there's another side to it though, which is to say that I think with more civic engagement and more civic dynamism, definitely comes a harder edge sometimes, and I'm all right with that. You know, I I advocate for that. I think politics are better when it's like that. I mean, you know, great leap forward. A lot of people had to die. You know, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> There's arguments to be made. It's not my favorite one, you know. Um, but Would you, you know. eat the heart of your enemies if it was in, if if it was like the time and place? You know, most people probably would if that's what you did. You know, because if you're on a tuna boat, you know, you do it on a tuna boat. Yeah, you eat the heart of the first tuna of the season. Oh no, shit! I didn't know yeah. that was the custom. I mean, you should ask some of your Boston uh, compatriots. You know. Who, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of tuna fishermen who live in Boston. Long at sea, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes, a lot of captains. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I did want to mention before we close out the episode that part of the reason that I brought this hat down here is because there was a little bit of a controversy around Halloween when I was caught, photographed on Halloween night after denouncing Halloween costumes wearing this hat. By yourself, I should add. It was a selfie. Yes, that's true. It wasn't a paparazzi or anything. I, I did, I, I did oh, out right. myself. No. Yeah, I did. I did. And I wondered if I would get called out on it. And of course I was right away. Um, but then a bunch of, but then I said, I pointed out though, that I didn't buy the hat for Halloween. I just wore it. I had it already. Was it after and midnight? It wasn't after midnight. Okay. Still Halloween. It was still Halloween. Now we were trick or treating with children, you know, um, and, but, but other people chimed in on my defense and they're like, well, you know, if Chris wears the hat on a regular basis and that can be demonstrated, then he was not being hypocritical on Halloween night. So, you know, here I am on video in my home on an ordinary November Thursday being the sea captain, um, just to prove a point. It does have insignia and I'll, I'll, well, I know you're leaving here. We'll leave. Oh. You know, importance oh, yeah. at least. It's, it's okay. It's like the truck driver sitch. It's like the truck driver joke, right? I mean, yep. you're not a captain, but you're wearing a captain's hat. You could sure. drive a truck a couple times. Doesn't make you a truck driver. You fuck one sheep, though, right? <laughs> you're a sheep fucker. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's that's a great note, I think, to to close this episode out on. Good. Might be the title of the episode. I was just going to say that might even be the episode title. Um, <laughs> Um, but special thanks to our producer, Chad Patterson, who does. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know that you had a producer. 
Yeah, he's a great fellow. He's a former coworker of mine um, who takes our audio files at the end of each episode and balances them and spruces them up and gives us two files, one that we can put for the video version and one that we can put out for the podcast listeners out there. Thanks, Chad. It's jradke85 at Gmail. If you need any help transcribing any of, the, any of my language, if you want to put up subtitles for those who don't speak uh, the way I do. I he will appreciate that. He will appreciate that. He does a great job. He's got his own little production and audio consulting firm called Studio117.net. Last episode, I called it .com again. I was just listening to it today. Um, didn't mean to do that. That won't get you there. Studio117.net for all your sound needs. Check out Down by 10, his um, dad rock band, dad rock cover band traveling all around New England. Um, very successful after just one year. They're already booked out. I think they have a, at least one gig every month in 2023 already. Um, so, and they are available for rental as well, you know, for any event that you want to do. Um, I was hoping- come down to Atlantic City. I will make sure I get them taken care of if they ever want to hit the New Jersey tour, the Bon Jovi years, the slippery wind wet era. I will tell them that. I, I, will, I will pass that along because that might be a thing where there could be a, a justification for a, a little bit of a a drive down to the tri-state area. When it comes and- to music, I've been told I'm a bit of a Svengali, you know, kind of a Phil Spector type. That's not complimentary. That's okay. Well, it depends on who you ask, I guess. But I, you know, I will make sure that Chad actually listens to the end of this episode so that he hears all of this and and is aware. I'm available. I, I, I will be I working also, for the cannabis czar of Atlantic City soon, so we'll talk about that later. I don't want to get into that's it. Great. You know, we'll have you back on again because we there's clearly a lot more to talk about. But um, the one thing I wanted to mention is last episode. Um, or it might have, it was actually two episodes ago. I published a new merchandise link for Down by 10 over at Redbubble. Well, Redbubble subsequently decided that Chad had somehow violated someone's copyright. He used like a stock clip art or something for, he used, like, I think he used Canva or something to design his thing. And they were like, this is an original art. Like, get the fuck out. And they locked his account. So the Down by 10 merch store got locked. And he's moving over to Zazzle, though, and and um, he thinks that will work out. I'm waiting to see how he does because we, by the time this episode comes out, we will be just prior to announcing our special holiday T-shirt sale. Um, we are going to have a number, we're, and we're following Chad's lead. So whatever vendor works out for Down by Ten is going to work out for Goman Adnock, and we've got a number of Peterborough themed T-shirt designs that will absolutely be the hottest designs for 2023. We're offering them out here for a fundraiser for us, but also as a service for all of you to get in on this trend, because you know what? We are going to be those people who discontinues these designs after like six months or so. so They're going to be limited. They're going to be like pogs. People who have these shirts are going to be the only people who have these shirts. And so that's coming. I'm not a member. I mean, I, 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 not to be presumptuous, but as like an extended member here of the Manhattan Underground back during its way, I really feel like I'm excited for that, and I'd like to yeah. own one of those shirts. And we I'm will gonna, send you a shirt. I'm gonna absolutely boy size no. awkward, please. I wear. All right, I will. We'll make sure that Zazzle accommodates that. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, actually, before we fully sign off, though, um, what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? This is supposed to be a Thanksgiving special. I think we've, I think we've expressed, we've, we've given everyone in the audience a lot to be thankful for. So that's how it's Thanksgiving themed. But I feel grateful. I am. What, uh, what are you doing next Thursday, Zoe? I will be most likely going to the famous and fabulous Piccadilly Cafeteria in Monroe, Louisiana. Because I will be with my brother and my father, um, getting ready to move him up to, to New Hampshire. And he loves the Piccadilly Cafeteria. It's where you can. I was trying to explain what this is to somebody. Like this is not a Yankee thing at all. No. It's like someone was like, "Is it like a Golden Corral?" I was like, "No, it's not a buffet. It's like it's literally a cafeteria where you like take your tray and you like point it." That was oh, okay. hello, and like you load your tray up, and then they like add it up at the end. And is there a lot of things? <sighs> it's been a really long time since I've been there. I'll be honest. So I I don't really know what to expect. But that's where like, you want to have things. I'm just trying to like picture like the room, right? Like, is it like a, is it like just like a twelve foot section of things you can pick from, or is this like a, is there like a lot of things? No, it's not. It's not like as it, there's not as many choices as a buffet, right? It's okay, I see. Maybe more, maybe it's more a, like a 20, 20 foot, mm-hmm. you know, 15, okay. that good gives 15 me sense. feet of choices, perhaps. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. my thing. I'm confused, but intrigued. Yeah. 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 And is it like Southern food? Well, they'll, they will certainly be serving like Thanksgiving food on Thanksgiving. I see. I, we we went last time I was in a Piccadilly cafeteria. I believe I was twelve or thirteen years old, having Thanksgiving dinner with my father because that was his holiday at that time. After that, we switched to going to like Chinese restaurants in Atlanta every year. But but uh, I remember this this last Piccadilly excursion. It's like you know you, you can choose like a little plate of turkey and gravy. You can choose like a mac and cheese casserole and choose nice. like a roll some jello nice. jello is like i feel like there's always jello at a piccadilly there's always jello mm. send us pictures i certainly will yeah we mm. need to document this what about you chris what's your thanksgiving plans we are hosting here actually that's lovely. um yeah, um, both sides of the family, which, yeah, I, I kind of like because, well, so first of all, I'm not a big turkey fan. I, what, I, what's your input in the cooking? You you have any role? I'm going to cook. I'm going to do the turkey. Um, so I don't I don't love turkey, but I have a smoker now. And so I'm going to smoke this fucking turkey. Hmm. And which I, I did learn That's is bold. not as fast as smoking a brisket hmm. or any of the other things we've smoked so far. It, it's actually like 30 minutes a pound and we have a decent sized turkey. So like I'm going to get up at like 2.30 in the morning to, or I'll still be up, either one. Really risky endeavor. You really want to make sure, yeah, you don't want to be, they don't be waiting on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's got to, so it's going to take like 10 hours or so to cook this thing. So I'm going to have to get, and now most of it, like I'll, I'll set the coals at that time and then I can, I can sleep for like two or three hours, but I'm going to have to get up and like reset the coals because the turkey needs to be at a higher temperature too. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a bit more of a pain in the ass. However, as I was starting to say, I don't like Turkey very much. And I think that a good brined smoked Turkey will make the best of what I don't like, you know? 
and I'm interested to try it. So I'm excited about that. Um, so that's my role is I'm the, I'm the man with the smoker and I do like, I, I like hosting. I mean, as Zoe knows, I like hosting in general. Um, so the fact that I don't have to drive anywhere on Thanksgiving and that people are coming to me and this is a good house to host at, um, I'm pretty, um, pleased with, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's, that sounds like a, like a really nice, solid Thanksgiving. Yeah, it, it should be pretty good. It should be pretty good. That's lovely. Personally, I have no love lost for Thanksgiving food. Uh, it's not my favorite food at all. My, uh, my mother's in Florida. My father's uh, antisocial. I'm going to see my daughter on Sunday. She's got a school play. We're going to take her to the uh, famed Texas Roadhouse for dinner. Nice. But uh, I don't think I'm going to go up there for Thanksgiving. Me and Rachel are probably going to choose a restaurant in Atlantic City and have a little meal completely divorced from Thanksgiving. That sounds nice. Probably going to have pizza. No, I don't know what I'm going to have. Maybe. What are we going to do for Thanksgiving, sweetheart? Oh, I don't know. We haven't really talked about it. She says, but, uh, we used to do like the, the dim sum, like real Chinese Chinese in Atlanta for a bunch of years. That was always a fun thing. Well, you know, spinning. I've actually never done real dim sum before. I'd be interested to try it. Well, the yeah. dim sum spot around here doesn't have soup dumplings. So we're really distraught because we had a great soup dumpling spot in Philly and uh, they just don't have it here. And Rachel made her own recently. You know, you got to put the gelatin substance. It's, it's weird. It's just it's touchy. You know, it's just, it's a lot. You, it's a thing that you want made for you, right? Yeah. Well, my dumplings yeah. made for me. It's true. Yeah. yeah that's, that's it for, th you know, Thanksgiving is insignificant for me uh, on the day, but I appreciate you asking. And I'm, I'm grateful yeah, no. regardless. I'm grateful. No to be I'm, I'm with, I, I've never been, I've always kind of wondered why we have this big harvest feast meal and like, but we eat this food that is actually worse than like the food that I normally eat. You know, the good thing though is that, see I'm Italian though. And so we have the same Italian food, at every holiday in addition to whatever the holiday food is. Yeah. So like, you know, if it's Easter and there's ham, there's ham and there's sausages and meatballs and raviolis, you know, and on Thanksgiving there's Turkey and there's stuffing and there's, and there's raviolis and sausage and meatballs, you know, like the, the, these things are at every holiday. And so that's usually what I primarily eat. Um, yeah, that's a good fail safe is you get the pasta back up. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. There's there's always a pasta. That's been that's been true my entire life. Like no matter what holiday it is, there's always that pasta backup. Mm. Uh, and the other thing that I usually do that I haven't actually, I have to logistically figure out how to get all the stuff. But I make a really really nice antipasto platter every Thanksgiving um, with good capicola and you know gabagool in New Jersey language. You know, right. Um, and, um, you know, prosciutto and, and, um, all like all kinds of olives and cheeses and all that stuff. It's a very nice platter. Um, so I will almost certainly be doing that also. I'd like to see it. So please send me a picture. I will send pictures. I do take, I make it very pretty and I don't let anybody touch it until, until I take my pictures and then it's like, all right, go ahead. All right. Um, I look forward to it. Yep. It's great. I, I got to try it at the secret 2020 Thanksgiving. That's right. That's right. What did we do for that? Did we, did we like we meet secretly up? secretly came to my house. Was it for Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah. 
Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah, because because everyone canceled Thanksgiving, right? Like yeah. no one none of the relatives would hang out or anything. Yeah. Yeah, everyone didn't want to do it. And isn't that crazy that even in late 2020 we had to like we had to like sneak around, you know? <sighs> Pretty crappy. Mm-hmm. Pretty crappy. But I want to say I said this on Facebook the other day, and it's hundred percent right. And I said because I shared a memory from that day where I was like, fuck all you people being like, I'll see you next year so that we can all live, you know, all this stuff. How I I was gonna yes, say I'm stupid. seeing people's memories pop up and shit, and you go through all people, they're like I love seeing the stuff from two years ago. Like, please leave hand sanitizer in your mailbox. The postal worker is like, oh they're God. the most vulnerable. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, the letter so carrier. I don't need to, I don't need to get myself. Ugh. Guess what guys, you canceled Thanksgiving for no reason. And we know that now. Okay. Like, and I said it in I mean, 2020. Like, the letter carriers. Now they think we have handouts for them. Yeah. <laughs> It's bullshit, but yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad we did. We did get together for that. And you know, um, Zoe will be coming back from her trip the day after Thanksgiving. I will have, um, you know, leftover antipasto supplies. Um, so it's entirely possible that you know, if you enjoyed it in 2020, you might be able to have it again in 2022. Wow, I vicariously enjoy your New Hampshire camaraderie. And it is very nice. You guys have a lovely little scene. I uh, we do very grateful that you guys are my designated publishers of my my work. I appreciate you guys. Standing um, open door, you know. Oh man, I got to get up there. I got to get up there. The thing is, yeah, our and we're we we are we are fan- both of us are fantastic hosts. You come up here, and we will show you a good time. Rachel and I would be honored to uh, to come up there sometime. Maybe uh, she gets some of her book underway more. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously, huh? Ser- yeah. On- well, honestly, if she gets that book underway and finishes it, and we end up publishing it, you guys are definitely coming up here. Well, that's a given. Um, that's a given. You it's know, re- I mean, it's going to be really good. I really hate that it's better than what I'm. You know, it's- <laughs> well. Let it, yeah. You know, I like that laughter in the background. Let it motivate you, though, because I do think that you, I do think that you could stretch out, you know, what you do and add some structured dialogue. I have to do something like dramatic that. besides the writing, you know. I have to Van Gogh a body part, and you'd have to like be interested in. The, well, he did. He, oh, he wrote something that must be weird, you know. I, this has to be a an act, <laughs> you know, of desperation. I don't know. I'll, if I get my car back, it's going to be a harrowing experience, and they're go- it's going to be on the news. And th- in that case, I'm just giving you permission now to like back publish everything that I've done and like collect it and exploit. You know what I mean? Like, yep. there's that rule that like you can't profit from you know if you've done bad things or whatever. In the, ser- sure. the John Wayne Gacy, we'll, we'll take it. We'll do it for you. You can be my yeah. estate, so yeah. to speak. Yep. Yes, exactly. We'll get the money to where it needs to go. I don't care where it goes. It's about the fame and the ego because I need oh, people yeah. to we'll, visit we'll get, me we'll in jail. For you. Yeah, we'll do, we will do that. Yeah. You become real manipulative when you're lonely in jail and from, you're a serial killer. the very killer, first no headline, like New Jersey man or Atlantic City man takes Subaru back at crossbow point, you know? And that wouldn't be a serial killing, you know? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. would be if, it would be like if I continued it like and took Ooh. back all Subarus. <laughs> <laughs> you became a vigilante, <laughs> ridding the streets of all car thieves, judge, jury, and executioner with a crossbow. 
Yeah, I mean, the man took repo too far. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, well thank you right. so much, Jared. Yeah. Hopefully, you we meet stay? you not in not visiting you in jail. Hopefully, yes, we we're gonna stay, you're gonna stay out of jail. You're gonna keep, you know, keep on keeping on. Yeah, I'm we're glad gonna come to know that you would though, if necessary. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely absolutely we would but yeah All thanks right. so much for joining us we definitely yeah. need to have you again this has been a very great time um happy thanksgiving to all of our listeners as you go forth out into you know the world and whatever your thanksgiving and non-thanksgiving plans might be until we meet again in this sacred space lounge please remember to take good advice we'll see you next time happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving